All right, all right. Good morning, Legacy Church. How are you? Well, this morning we are uh, kicking off a new series, and uh, the new series is, is titled Heroes of Our Faith. And uh, we are super excited about what, what Pastor Brett's got for us the next few weeks and, and just the, uh, the people of the Bible that he's going to bring out and, and talk about, uh, uh, about the heroes that, that, that truly set the tone for our faith. This weekend, we're going to kick off with Moses. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on Moses before we turn this thing over to Pastor Brett. Moses was, was, uh, was born into a, uh, a, a time of, of slavery for the Israelites. And Moses was, was he, w- he was dubbed one of the, the most important prophets and teachers of the Old Testament. He, uh, he also wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, he's also credited with uh, uh, penning the, the, the book of Job, which, uh, which, is, which is great. But like I said, he was born um, to, uh, to a Hebrew couple that, uh, again, at a time when the Israelites were, were enslaved to Egypt. And uh, Egypt was, was starting to become fearful of the Israelites. There was like a population boom, and, and the number of Israelites that, that were being born began to be something that concerned them. They were, they were concerned that the numbers would grow to a point, and they were concerned about them possibly aligning with some of Egypt's enemies uh, and coming against them. So Pharaoh basically set out, and he said, listen, I, I'm, I'm sending out an order. We're gonna, the order is to kill all of the Hebrew males, young Hebrew males. So as any good mother would do, Moses' mother said, hey, listen, I've got to do whatever I can to save my son. So she hid Moses, and, and, and as, as, as the Egyptian uh, soldiers began to get close, she devised a plan to put Moses in a reed basket and put him afloat on a Nile River. Uh, as, as Moses floated down the Nile River, Pharaoh's daughter happened to see the basket. Pharaoh's daughter went out, they got the child, she basically adopted the child and brought Moses, an Israelite, into the royal Egyptian family. So Moses was, he was, he was, he was given all of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, not the credit, but the, the opportunities that Egyptian royalty would have. So, uh, so as Moses grew up in this, this, this family uh, of, of Egyptian royalty, he, he saw the mistreatment of the Israelites. And one day Moses snapped. He saw uh, an Egyptian slave tasker uh, beating an Israelite. He snapped, he jumped in, got into a fight, and he ultimately ended up killing this Egyptian. And Moses realized, okay, I've, I've, I've really kind of screwed up here. I, I've messed up. I've got to get out of here. So Moses fled to uh, Midian, which is, uh, which is where he actually was confronted by God and communicated by God through the burning bush. Now, he sees this bush burning, and he walks over to it, and he realizes, okay, we've got wood, we've got fire, the wood's not burning. And that's when God began to speak to him, and he said, Moses, listen. He said, I know you just left Egypt, but I'm sending you back. I want you to go to Pharaoh and demand that you release my people. And Moses, just like all of us do when we feel like God's given us something that may be a little difficult, Moses has given him all the reasons why he can't go. Uh, you know, the Israelites, they're not going to listen to me. They won't follow me. Uh, well, you know, Pharaoh's kind of a bad dude, and I really am not a very good public speaker, so eh, that's another reason I shouldn't go. So God finally gets fed up with him and says, listen, you're going. You're going, but here's what I'll do. 
take your brother, your older brother, Aaron, with you, and he can be your spokesperson. So Aaron and Moses, they go back to, to Pharaoh in Egypt, and they begin to, you know, try and work with Pharaoh to get and allow the Israelites to be freed from, from, uh, from slavery in Egypt. So they go back and forth, and, 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 and the Pharaoh was being, you know, being obstinate, being stubborn. And so God intervenes a little bit. He says, okay, well, I'm going to send a few, you know, series of plagues that will help encourage Pharaoh to uh, let my people go. So the Pharaoh finally, he decided, okay, I'm, I'm done with all of these plagues. Moses, please, take your people, get out of here. Not, sure, not, not too long after uh, that he makes this decision, he realizes, you know what, hey, wait a second. Nah, I changed my mind, so he sends the Egyptian army after him. So as the Egyptian army is pursuing the Israelites and Moses, they come up to the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea and allows the Israelites to cross the sea. And as they're, as they're crossing the sea, and they see that their pursuers are on their heels, they make it to the other side, and what does God do? God closes the Red Sea. And uh, all of those pursuers that, uh, that were pursuing them, the Egyptian soldiers, ended up dying. So they escaped from there, and they, they, they made it to, and they settled at, on the Mount, well, Mount Sinai, where ultimately we've all seen the Charlton Heston, you know, version of the Ten Commandments. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's where God had given Moses the Ten Commandments, and he began to articulate uh, those, those, those commandments to the Israelites. So they spent the next 40 years wandering around the desert, looking for the promised land that, that God had promised them. And uh, it was... Uh, during those 40 years when, uh, when Moses actually died at the ripe age of 120 years old on, on Mount Nebo. The sad thing about that is, is when Moses died, he actually could see the promised land. He was that close. But, but, uh, but, but he did not make it into the promised land. So this is one of, uh, of several characters that Pastor Brett and, uh, is going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks and unpacking for us. But uh, Moses is our first here that we're going to dive into. So if you will turn your eyes to the screen, we are going to uh, kick this thing off. Y'all ready? Anybody need sermon notes? Wave at me. The ushers will hand them out to you. Uh, I, I did had Rob do a setup on Moses because we're not going to talk about everything Moses did. We got about three months to do that. And uh, But we're going to pick out a certain thing what the Lord told me to pull out of his story and to show you and to help you because Moses was just like you. He was weak, he failed, he had problems, he had issues with his past, he had issues with life, he was discouraged, he dealt with all kinds of stuff, just like you and me. But Jesus came, the difference between us and Moses is Jesus came and died for us, we've accepted him, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, it only rested on Moses. 
So we have the life of God on the inside of us that we can rely on, but we have to learn to rely on it. Okay? We got to trust God. So if you get you look at number one, we're going to dive into it and look at Moses tried to resolve things his own way. I know y'all have never done that. You've never done anything on your own. No, just me. I'm the only one. So I'm the only one with the stories. But let's read Moses' story in Exodus 2, 11 and 12. And before I start, Moses is 40 years old. And see, when you read a Bible story, it says that Moses... You know, he's told about it. Moses' mama put him in a basket floating down the river. Uh, Pharaoh's uh, sister pulls him out of the river, and she takes him to raise, and boom, the next thing we hear, he's 40 years old. What in the world happened between being a three-month-old baby to 40 years? Well, a lot. He was trained, okay, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but he was trained to be a general. He was mighty in battle. The Egyptians had the best colleges. Well, they didn't have a college pastor, but yeah, they did. They built the pyramids, people, and we still hadn't figured out how they did that. That's the Egyptians they were, not the Egyptians today. Okay, there's no, uh, anyway, there's no inventions coming out of Egypt right now. I wish they was, but there's not. They're all coming out of Israel for some reason, even overshadowing the United States. Now, I'm getting off the off here. 40 years old, he goes from three months to 40 years old. And so let's read it real quick. Now, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Oh, no, no, no go back, go back. I want to I look at it. And he saw the Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Stop right there. Now, we, we read the story there. She put him in a basket. Pharaoh's sister pulled him out of the water. Guess his sister, Moses' sister, was looking and said, hey, let me go get a Hebrew maid to nurse him for you, which was his mama. So he's raised by his mama. His mama was his nursemaid. His mama's telling him stories about God because they didn't have a Bible. Hold on, let me pull out Genesis for you. No, Moses wrote Genesis. Okay, it wasn't there yet. But she told the story of Genesis. She told the, the story of Adam and Eve and, and all the way down the line. And so he knows who he is. Okay? And so he's like, these are my people. In the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, it says that he rejected the riches of Egypt for God. Because he was Pharaoh's nephew. I mean, he dressed in fine robe. He ate the good stuff. He could do whatever he wanted to, but see, he wanted, he took matters into his own hands, and he saw this guy being beat in verse 12. Now we go, in verse uh, 12, it says, so he looked this way and that, and when he saw no one, uh, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Y'all ever look this way and that? Especially after a fall. You know, if you ever slip and fall, you look, did anybody see that? Oh, let me get out of here. And, and you know, but he looked this way and that to see, and, and he ended up, Killing an Egyptian. I don't think God uh, had that in mind. But Moses said, shoot, I'll kill this guy. And, 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 and you know, people are rallying around me. Look at, it, look at verse 13. You got it up there. He said, and when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one, who did the wrong? And why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Boy, he's busted now. 
You ever done something and got busted? Hmm? Yes. Oh, my goodness, the shame, the guilt. Now they're all, no, everybody knows. And you know what he did? He tucked and run. He ran. So he did this on his own. He ran, and he just went out. He went out in the desert hide. He goes across. He, uh, he finds these, these girls uh, trying to water the sheep, and, and uh, they were in a, a fight with these other people. If you read the story, it goes on. But he ended up camping there. He married one of those girls, had two boys, and we picked this story up. There's a burning bush on the mountain. And he goes, let me go and see this thing. Now, that's number two. Before we get to number two, though, let me say this. Anybody ever been rejected? Now, hey, I want to help y'all. I want to help y'all. We don't need your help. It hurts your feelings. Man, I'm not, I don't have any skin in this game. I just want to help you. Rejection. You've been rejected. Yep. The Bible says Jesus was rejected for us. Have you ever overestimated your ability to control a situation and God hadn't asked you to control a situation? Ooh, yeah, it makes, it makes me squirm when I start talking about this because we all feel like we can control something. If we can control it, then we've got it right here. And guess what? We see God in there. You can't control God. And God don't want you to control in the situation. He wants you to relax and let him work through you. Hmm? And see, Moses think, you know what? I can fix this. You know, I'm a man. I can fix I'm a fixer. You know, any of you other men bear witness with it? You a fixer? Somebody asked me, he said, what's the difference between Louisiana and Virginia? And you want to go with the heat and humidity, but actually it's the bugs. You go to Walmart, look at the bugs, and you up here, you may have 100 bugs. But in Louisiana, you got thousands. Hundreds of thousands. We're at a football game, and all the guys and uh, you know, and their wives are sitting in the front, and the guys are talking, and one of the you know, the, the wives say, "What inning is?" I said, "It's the quarters, okay? It's football." But this moth came and hit the bench beside me, and I'm like, "Somebody shot at me!" This moth was as big as my hand. I picked that moth up, and I'm looking how big it is, and all the colors on it. And this little seven-year-old girl behind me goes, "Hmm, what are you gonna do with that?" I'm like, well, I hadn't thought about it, but you know what? I'm a fixer, and I can do something with it. And I foreclosed it up, and I had it in my hand like this. The thing was huge. And I'm like, well, and I look back at her. She goes, she gives me the look. And I'm like, girl, you, you don't even know me. <laughs> Seven years old, you know, but I'm planning a plan. And it just hadn't come to me yet. Now, now. Isaiah 30 says, woe to the children who plan to plan. It's not of me, says the Lord, <laughs> to add sin unto sin. Well, it wasn't God's plan. So I'm sitting there on the end of the bench, and everybody's talking, cutting up, and this little, three little girls come up, and they're about two years older than this other one. I'm just talking about it. We all plan plans, don't we? And she goes, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And I know she, she wants money. I, I've had that ringing in my ears before, Daddy, Daddy. And I'm like, will you quit? You know, Daddy. I said, Daddy said to give you this. I handed her that bug. Oh, my goodness. She screamed. And guess what the little girl behind me did? Well, that was just mean. <laughs> so you, you can plan a plan and it not be a God. 
trying to control your life and control things. You can't make your life, you can't add one inch to your height. That's what the Bible says. And so we have got to get, we've got to learn to trust God. Can we all say trust God? That's hard. All right, I'm going to go there. I wasn't going over there. But nagging your husband and trying to control him is not trusting God. Hmm? All trying to control your kids. Oh, you do this. Oh, you better make sure. Girl, when's the last time you washed your hair? You can fry chicken in that grease. <laughs> Y'all never heard that? Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, you, we try to control our kids. We try to control things. You know what? Yeah, they need to. But, but everybody's the same, y'all. You got bad breath sometimes. Your feet stink. You got to walk with God and trust God to help you. And, and you know, tell, your wife tell you about bad breath, that's a good thing. Go brush your teeth. That's not nagging. Now, some things nagging. We got to learn to trust God and believe God, okay? And, and God wants to help us in life. God's real. And you're real. But God will take your real and change you to bring to, to, to be like him. God wants to change us. He didn't save us to keep us where we's at and just help us make it through. He'll help you make it through, but he wants you to quit making that stupid mistake. You know, I, I used, you know, I, with the youth, I used to walk into the wall like, oh, oh man, sorry about it. And then walk into the wall. Quit walking in the wall. So as we go to number two, I want you to look at Moses was in a ditch because of hurt. He did something stupid. They rejected him. It hurt him. But how about you can be innocent. You've never done anything, but people hurt you. God still wants to heal you. Whether you did it or whether somebody did things to you, God wants to heal you. And, and, and I, I've, made, I've made mistakes or thought I made mistakes and I made a choice. And, and I, and, but here's my confession, y'all, and this is it. God, <laughs> you know I'm stupid. And you know I may have made a bad choice, but you're still bigger than my bad choice. You're my help. You're my strength. And, 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 and you've got to help me through this because I made a mistake or, or, or whatever. I mean, I'm trying to make a business decision or I'm selling equipment or I'm doing something at a job. And I'm like, Lord, this went south and I, I need some help. I thought, you know, I did it the way the ball said, but it went south and, and we made a mistake. We need your help. And God would turn the situation around. And God will prove himself to you. But the problem is you can't stay in that rut. You can't just, well, that's it. Moses went, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here, Jack. I'm gone. So number two, Moses sought God for direction. Now, he went to this burning bush. And as we talk about this, I want to remind you, it's a burning bush. And it's not being consumed. This is a supernatural event. Just because you, can, you have a supernatural event in your life where God shows up, you still got to change. And I've got in my notes, when he went to this fire, this is where the repentance came. And, 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 and it's not a, repentance is not a bad thing, people. Come on. So number two, Moses sought God for direction. And we're going we're gonna to read out a Stephen story. Now, Stephen was a deacon. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the, the disciples could not keep up with feeding people and helping people and ministering to people. So they said, let's choose out 12 guys to help us. And they chose Stephen first. Man, Stephen was a fireball. And uh, he got in trouble with the Pharisees. They put him on trial. 
He stands up in front of them. They're going to kill him, and he don't care. I'm going to heaven. And so he begins to tell the story of the Bible, the biblical account of Adam and Eve all the way down, and he talks about Moses a good bed. And we're going to read his story because he's a preacher. Now, now I'm going to let you in on a little bit of secret. Who wrote Genesis? Exodus? Moses. And that was Moses. God let him write it from his point of view. And then, but Stephen's given a point of view by the Spirit of God that's on him. Okay? A little bit different. Well, wait a minute. I thought the Bible, everything in the Bible was true. Everything in the Bible is true. But everything is not true to you. Judas hanged himself, but you're not supposed to. Come on. Moses had an opinion of himself that wasn't God's opinion. And some of y'all have an opinion of yourself that's not God's opinion. Okay? And so, so let's look. Um, this is Stephen in Acts 7 and verse 29. This is Stephen talking. And let's stop right here. Remember Moses was 40 when he killed the Egyptian. Now Moses is 80. This burning bush experience, 40 more years have passed. Good grief. 40 years he'd been out hiding. So, verse 29, then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian. That's after he killed the guy, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, listen to this, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dare not look. Then the Lord said, take your sandals off your feet, for the place you are standing are holy ground. Now, what we don't get in our Western culture, but what they knew is when you take your shoes off, you're submitting. If, I, if you come into the house, you take your shoes off because you're submitting to the people who own the house. This is, a, this is God, and Moses, take, take your shoes off. You, he's submitting. He's learning to submit to God. Okay? Man, don't tell me what to do. No, wait, wait a minute. This is God. And you'd think it'd be easy because the bush is burning. It'd be easy to submit to God. Well, it ain't easy for you to submit to God. It wasn't easy for Moses to change. So we all have to change, and we all have to, you know, to do what God asks us to do. And so he saw it, and God said, uh, take, take your shoes. This is holy ground. Verse 34, and I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and have come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. <gasps> Moses like, Moses ain't in fear and trembling now. He kind of gets this, it's this old squirrely backbone that he has that he's been hiding and he wants to continue to hide. And so here's where the repentance, repentance means a change of mind. A change of mind then a change of action. Jesus died on the cross for us to have a change of mind to repent and a change of action. If I'm going this way, this way is Roanoke. If I'm wanting to go to Bristol, I got to have a change of mind. I got to exit off and, and, and turn around and go towards Bristol. I got to find an exit. I got to find a place of repentance. I got to come to God and turn and change my life because my life's on the highway to hell. And, and I've got to change my life. But even believers cannot, 
Uh, you ever met somebody like Moses, been in a rut for 40 years? I have. I was counseling with talking to a lady, and, and, and she said, my husband cheated on me in the Korean War. And I'm like, okay, that was 19 what? And that's before I was born. That's 45 years ago. 45 years been living in a rut. Unforgiveness rut. Dangerous rut. In the hospital, out of the hospital. I go in to pray with them. He's got internal bleeding. We can't figure out why. I said, I know unforgiveness. It lets in every evil, strife lets in every evil work. Strife with her husband. And I mean, you know, I'm like, your husband, I know your husband. He ain't that. He ain't that way. Maybe he did, but he's not that way now. And you're still with him. What does that say about you? Come on. And so Moses has been in a rut for 40 years, and God starts dealing with him. It's time to change. It's time to change. I got a plan for your life. Do you know God has a plan for your life? I don't care if you've been divorced. I don't care if you're ugly. I don't care what it is. God has a plan for your life. Because some of y'all have self-esteem issues why I said ugly. Think about it. And Moses has self-esteem issues. He brought him on himself, but don't matter to God. God wants to heal him and turn him around. So God wants to turn us around, and this is just a, you know, a section of this story. But, but you look, 40 years, and he wasn't over the rejection. And, and, and you know, he says, and I can't, I couldn't do it by himself. He couldn't change by himself. You ever, you ever, anybody ever get down, and it's like, you can't get up. The enemy. Jesus went, the greatest battle that Jesus fought was on the cross, and it was a spiritual battle. He took your depression so you could be free from it. He took your rejection so you could be free from it. Come on, what people do to you, God can restore. And what people break it, when he, people break your heart, God, he, I'm the mender of the brokenhearted. So God wants to restore you. God wants to help you. God wants to heal you. And so as we're looking at this, and what I really want you to know is you need a burning bush experience. See, you can't talk me out of serving God. Well, you're a pastor. It has nothing to do with it. I live down here with everybody else. My breath stinks. My hair is falling out. Whatever you want to say. I have to live by faith. I have to love God, and I have this experience with God. You can't change me. You can't talk me out of it. I may get down and out. I may be like Moses and get in a rut sometimes, but I'm going to tell you, I can never deny God and what he's done in my life. And you got to have these experiences. God's calling you to have a burning bush experience where you pull over on the side of the road and God just meets you, where you turn around at the exit and say, I really want to go towards heaven. I really want my life to be living for God. You got to have that experience. I want God because you're nothing without him. Oh, we think we know something. Everybody needs an education. Everybody needs to have training. Everybody needs to pursue. But you got to pursue God because Moses was trained. Man, he was trained by the best in the world. But now he's down and out. He, he feels rejected, been to prison, been out, been on drugs. Doesn't matter to God. Moses was a murderer. Doesn't matter to God. He forgave him. But Moses couldn't forgive himself and couldn't get over the rejection. So let's, let's look. Moses said, who can I lead? And we'll read it just real quick. 
How, how can I be a leader? Uh, many of you still trying to control your life, or many of you in, are defeated. It's one or the other. You know, control or defeated, discouraged. Look at Exodus 3.10. Now, we're going to go back to Exodus that Moses wrote. He said, come, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so God, God, and so he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Well, listen, listen. How many of you know the New Testament says, Jesus said, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God's telling Moses, see, that's an that's a old covenant promise to Moses. And Moses was a prophet but I wanted you to get in your head that the Bible calls you a prophet of your own life. The Bible says that you're the priest of your own life, that you can go to, to God directly as a priest. The Bible says you're not only a prophet and a priest, but you're the king of your life. And God, because who is Jesus? He's the king of kings. We're kings, but he's our king. We're submitted to him, but we have authority. We have things that we got to recognize who we are. And our abilities. And God hadn't died to leave us, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about wealth and money, because that, that, you can't trust in that. It's all right. I mean, I've had it without, I've had it with. It's better with, I'll tell you that. You know that. But God wants you taken care of. As we look at these heroes of faith, God took care of them. So, so wait a minute. Well, God's not taking care of me. Then it's time to change. You can change, and God will, let's, oh, no, okay, we'll get in there. Okay, this ain't in my notes. Does God have access to your money? Don't you touch my money now. That's all them preachers want is money. I don't need your money. God wants to bless your money. God wants to partner with you with money. He wants to partner with you raising kids. Huh? Have you given God your kid? Don't touch my kid. Come on, give him your children. Come on, he'll give them back better. Give him money, he gives money back better. Marriage is your marriage. No, nah, I got my, don't tell me what to do. I'm tell my, you know, I'm the king of my house, woman. That don't work, does it? It's together. It's not 50-50, it's 100 and 100. Come on, give your marriage. This is what we're talking about. And marriage can eat your lunch. I'm speaking from experience. Kids can eat your lunch. I'm speaking from experience. I ain't telling all that. We, gotta, we got to give our kids to God and trust God. When I was a youth pastor, I said, man, I just want to lock my kids up. I, woo. But I saw a girl in my youth group, they, she wasn't allowed to do anything, nothing. She was the, the, the oldest, and she was the babysitter because they homeschooled. She ran away at 15. Last I heard, Arizona somewhere, and that was 30 years ago. Nobody's seen her since. You can't do that. Then I thought, well, I can't let them run wild. This is all people let their kids run wild. No, you teach them what they're going to face in life, what is coming down the road. You know what? You're going to this party. They may be making out in the back. They may be smoking weed. They may be doing drugs. They're going to be alcohol. What are you going to do? Are you going to be a partaker? You got to guard yourself. This, this, this is what God will help you. Okay, I'm, I'm on the stump now, ain't I? So anyway, 
I will be with you. And Moses said to God, indeed, when I come, in verse 13, I come to the children of Israel, they'll say, the God of your fathers has sent you. And they say to me, what is his name and who, who should I say to them? So Mo, Moses is asking some good questions, but he also has some doubt and unbelief going there too. You ever doubted, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, a thought come to your mind, you know, you could do this, you could do that. Ah. Come on, when in a burning bush experience, Moses is questioning God. It's all right to question God, but again, it's just, this is this in Exodus is Moses' point of view, and I want to show you something that really gives you his heart. In Exodus 4.10, and Moses said, Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, uh, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. That, that, you know, when people say, well, he stuttered, or he, 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 he couldn't uh, talk quick, uh, uh, you know. No, uh, you know what? That wasn't God. I mean, that wasn't Moses. That was what Moses thought of himself. What do you think of yourself? Well, I'm not, I'm not really good enough. Baloney. Jesus died for you to be good enough. It's not your righteousness. The Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags. But Jesus has given you. Remember last Sunday we talked about he put on you. God put your sin on him, and he put on you his righteousness. Man, the Bible says now I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Well, you just bragging. No, I'm just saying, stating who I am. I, you know what? It's okay to, to, to know who you are. Anybody uh, got a uh, Virginia driver's license? That means you're a resident of Virginia. If you pull that out and show that to me, you're not being cocky. This is who I am. Look, there's my picture right there. Well, let me show you my picture. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm an overcomer, according to 1 Corinthians 15. Huh? But Moses said, you know, I, I, I can't stand before Pharaoh. Man, he ran with Pharaoh's son. They were first cousins, adopted-wise. But he's intimidated. Let me show you something. Let's go back to Philip in Acts 7.22. Look what Philip said by the, spirit, by the Spirit of God. And then Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And, oh, I don't know, Lord. I can't do that. I don't know what. I can't go up and, and, and tell them about Jesus. I don't know what I'd say. I, 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 I'm slow of speech. I, I, I don't know what. I, I can't do that. I, I, I can't start a business. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't marry that man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as holy as he is. I, I, I can't. Uh, all of your excuses, quit. I'm the righteousness of God. God gives me wisdom. If you haven't asked God for wisdom lately, just ask him right now. Father, say, Father, I ask you for wisdom to live this life in Jesus' name. That ought to come out of your mouth every morning. Because most of y'all are worse than me and all better than me, but you, I, I, Lord, I need help today. I need help with what I'm going to deal with. I mean, I got enough problems, but you know what? I'm not called just to carry my problems. I'm called to help people through theirs. It's a calling. Not that I'm better than anybody, because you can have some of it. If you really want, see, it's, it's, we're all called to pull people up out of the ditch, though. Y'all heard the story about the mule that fell in the well. 
They didn't know what to do, couldn't get it out, rope broke trying to pull it out. So they said, he called all the neighbors, they started shoveling dirt in there. That mule danced around, started stomping the dirt out, and he just kept rising up till he walked out. Y'all still in the ditch looking down, you ain't. Come on, Moses had to change his thinking. When, when are we going to change our thinking? You know what? We're in the last days, and God's power and his spirit's going to show up and get greater in my life. Amen? Oh, no, this last day. You know what? This is not our life. Heaven is our home. Can you settle for that? Can you at least grab a hold of that? But you know what? I'll spend every dime I got to live here just another day. What happens if you die? I'm going to heaven. Come on, I'm going to heaven. Are you going to heaven? So, slow of speech, he was mighty. Can we trust God? We got to learn to trust God. God's going to take care of me. Real quick, there was a guy, uh, he was in a, a, a coffee bar, I don't know which one, uh, probably California somewhere, and he said, Lord, I just want to witness to somebody. I, I just want to, uh, to, to, you know, to pray with somebody. Uh, just, you know, is there somebody in here I can speak to, Lord, just you know, give me somebody to talk to. And this guy walks in the door and just just jumped into his heart. The name Charlie came up. And he'd heard, you know, I'll tell you another story. But, and he said, sir, sir, is your name Charlie? Does Charlie mean anything to you? And he goes, nope. He goes, well, mm. he goes, uh, well, you know, I'm just praying and asking God to, 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 to help me witness the people and you know, just reveal himself to people. And he goes, and you don't know a Charlie? He goes, nope. And he's like, oh, boy. But the guy goes, well, wait a minute. I'm not Charlie, but can you tell me about God? Even in a mistake, God turned it and opened up the man's heart, and he led him to Jesus. Well, I know another guy that's sitting in the parking lot going into a drugstore, and he said, Lord, is there anybody in here I need to talk to? He said, go tell Lisa I love her. So he's looking at every name tag in there. Where's Lisa? He's looking for Lisa. Can't find Lisa anywhere. He goes back to the back behind the counter and the, you know, the girls that fill up the pills and all that stuff. And he goes, is your name Lisa? She goes, yes. Why? He goes, I was sitting outside and God told me to tell you that go in there and tell Lisa I love her. She began to cry because last the night before she said, God, you don't even know my name. Come on. Are you asking God for, to, to, God will supernaturally help you? And it proves God's real to you and to them. I've had those experiences. That's why you can't talk me out of him. He's real. And he knows. And even what I'm preaching today, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, is this what you want me to say? Is this the part of the story you want me? And boom, I get this. And boom, I get that. And I'm like, okay, this is God. God's in this story. And, and so, you know, there, there's a, a one thing that, and I'll, I'll explain it to you after number three, that God really pointed out in this story. And, uh, you know, we got we to gotta, we gotta trust God because you need help. Parents, you need help. I'm going to go back to that one more time. You're the greatest parents for your child because God gave them to you. But you still ask him for wisdom, how to raise this child because this child's different. Your child's different than my child. 
my child, my, my middle daughter's different than my older daughter. And I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know? And you have one, you think you can never love another one like this one. And lo and behold, you have two or three more and you love them all. But that's the capacity God gave you. And God's the same way. Amen. So number three, Moses carried out God's plan. Once you get the plan, James said it like this. He was Jesus' brother. He was a pastor in Jerusalem. He said, be a doer now. You hear the word. You heard the plan. Go do it. So can we start doing what God said? Can, well, 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 pastor, does that mean am I supposed to, I'm an engineer. Am I supposed to quit my job being an engineer? No. You seek God. You put God first. You trust God. You rely upon God. And you know what? As you're walking in life, there's going to another opportunity will pop up or something. And God say, you know what? I'd rather you do this. God has sent me to people to a job to get somebody saved. I was needing money. Don't we all? We have to work. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. But when you pray about it and you thought, and, and when that person got saved, I'm driving home, I was doing a Bible study. It was a Hispanic Bible study. It had an interpreter. This woman was Hispanic. And she got saved, and I'm like, wow. I'm driving home, I'm like, wow. And God said, that's why I sent you to that job. I'm like, I thought I went there to make some money. I, I got three kids or two kids at the time. I need to eat. My kids need to eat. But God will send you to places to be a witness and a light to get somebody born again. Don't take it off the table. Let me go ahead and say this. Well, I hate my boss. So what? You're not working for him. You're working for Jesus. And if you're working for Jesus, he'll say honor that man. But you don't know. He knows what he did. He saw my people being oppressed. He sees every time your boss is ugly to you, and he knows it. And he said, you know what? He said he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Well, what does that look like? That means you don't quit. That means you stay there, and God's going to show out for you. And your boss, I had a boss that didn't like me. He had to give me raises. I was doing too good. He had to let them bless me. Hey. And when I left the job, he said, God never more blessed us while he was here. Huh? Wasn't working for him. I'm working for Jesus. I'm living for God. I'm working for God. And that's the, the, the things that we have to get in, in our mind right, that we're, we're doing everything for God. Amen? Boy, y'all getting quiet on me. We're about to land this plane. Y'all hang on. Moses carried out God's plan. Back to Stephen in Acts 7, 38. This is he. This is Moses who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai with our fathers, the one who received the oracles to give uh, uh, to us. Moses received the Ten Commandments. We know the story, and, 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 and we know that he went through Sinai. We know he sent out the ten spies. Oh, the story goes on, but I'm trying to get to this point. He had to get his life in line with God so God could move. Wait a minute. I think that went over your head. Well, Pastor Brett, God can do anything. But are you going to let him? Moses could have stayed and been the first cousin to Pharaoh and had, to, had an awesome life. But that wasn't God's plan for him. Man, I know, I know pastors who quit. Pastoring because they got hurt by people, got rejected, and became millionaire real estate 
investors, millionaire insurance people. I'm like, that's not your call. That's not who you are. You're a millionaire, but whoop-de-doo. One last story. There was this pastor. He preached the best sermon he ever did. It was in uh, Palestine, Texas. Dirt, dirt, dirt roads in. This is back turn of the century. And man, he said, he's just standing on the preach corner preaching, and they took up an offering. He says, the most money I ever got in my life. I'm walking down the sidewalk, and this drunk comes out of a bar, and he goes, go ahead and say hallelujah, preacher. Just say hallelujah. And he didn't, you know, get out of my way. And he stayed in his face. Just say hallelujah, preacher. And he said hallelujah. And when he did, he knocked that guy through the plate glass one day in the bar and waited in there, and they went after it. Fist fight. The pastor, the preacher. They fist fight, fought out in the street. They broke him up. I can't believe you used preacher and you did that. But that guy got under skin. I know y'all have never had anybody get under your skin. Y'all sitting there like you straighten up your halo. And you know what that? He did just like Moses. He quit. He left his wife and his kids. And he went to California. And his wife was, you know, writing him letters. And, and, and you know, but he thought that he had committed the unpardonable sin. He thought that he was going to bust hell wide open. No grace and mercy, no forgiveness. And so he went to work, and he would send money to his family, but he said, I'm not good enough to have a family, and this just tore up, like Moses, in a rut. And one day, a, a pastor calls him and said, hey, you know, I want to talk. He goes, man, I, he said, God, God's wrote me off. God's wrote me off. That I used to be a pastor, and I messed up, and beat this man up, and and when I, you know, he saw red when he come to, he had two beer bottles in his hand. He's beating this guy. And he said, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to hell and everything. And the pastor said, you know what? We've learned a little bit more since you was a pastor. God forgives. God wants to forgive you and love you. And you know what? God restored him, his family, his life, and he became a pastor again. So, so, so here's what I'm saying. God wants to restore. Yeah, there's consequences to sin. You do something stupid, it's going to be some stupid coming. But you need to dig some stuff up. If you have planted some wrong seed in your life, it's time to dig it up and turn from it and say, Lord, help me get rid of these weeds. Help me. Forgive me of these weeds. And for, let my family forgive me of these weeds. And let people forgive me of these weeds. And then, no, receive. Being a doer of the word is you receive that forgiveness. Have you forgiven yourself? That's the hard part because it's right here. It's in our mind. God said, I forget it, and God forgets it. We got to learn to forget it. When, when you think about it, it doesn't, you know, you got to forgive yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You got to love yourself. You got to forgive yourself and love yourself so you can love your neighbor. If, if, if it's a whole lot easier for me to pull you up into righteousness than me try to push you up in it. So God wants you well healed and whole. God wants you restored. God wants you to know who you are so you can start helping people up. Come on up here and walk with me. Come on up here. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You got two legs. 
I've been offended. I've been hurt. I've done stupid things. But God is a, is a God of restoration, reconciliation. He wants to restore you. Okay? So let's, let's, let's get on that path today. Hmm. It's time to start laying down our ability and picking up God's abilities. Learning to trust him because you might think you know how to do something, but can you stop and say, okay, Lord, help me. Show me, guide me. But boy, I'm the same way. I get in, oh, this is the way home. This is the way I'm supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to do. But can we stop and ask God? God will take you a different route. Get out of traffic. He'll take you a different route to meet somebody. Here, here's, here's, here's one the Lord gave me on this. A lot of people fail because, not because of their weaknesses, but because of their strengths. They rely on their own self. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. They have not submitted their strength to God. Let me give you one more example. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, top dog. Pharisees had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorize them. He memorized. He was a top Pharisee, smart, and as smart and as knowledgeable of he was the word. He could have went to Jews and argued the scriptures with them. But God said, I don't want you arguing with anybody. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles where in your weakness I'm going to show up and make you strong. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And he had to learn to be led by the Spirit instead of by his own natural. I know what the Word says. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Word says. No, no, no. Learn to trust and be led by God and what you're doing in life. And I don't care if you've been trained to do business. I don't care what you're doing as a skill. Always ask God. Always trust God. Always, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? There's one scripture, and we'll close with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Men. Lean not to your own understanding. Just back up. I'm not going to, I know what I think I should do, but God, how do you want me to do it? <coughs> how do you want me to do it? I was building stuff one time and I knew how to do it, but the Lord started showing me different things and I was doing it faster than anybody else. And the boss was like, man, I'm going to do it that way. And he'd do it and he'd just fumble, fumble around and because that was his way and I was doing it the way the Lord showed me to do it. And I was quick, fast, and efficient. You got to just start, and I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you with my strength. Use me. Use me. Use my strength. Use my abilities. Lord, I'm just going to rely upon you, and in all my ways, let's acknowledge him. Can we do that? That's what Moses had to learn. And let me say this. Your decisions in life, if you don't always submit, will keep you out of some promises. They're yes and amen to you, but Moses didn't get to the promised land. He died looking at it. But he did some things that kept him out of the promised land. Come on, there's some promises God has for you. Come on, let's go after him. Let's go after God. If you seek him, he adds everything to you. And the last scripture, the last thing, if God put Jesus on the cross, the Bible says he will not withhold any good thing from you. If he gave Jesus to die for you, so I want you to look at your heart today. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Is there anything that you're holding back from God? You're still trying to control. Is there any hurt that you're living in? You're in a rut. 
Get out of the rut today. God hadn't called us to live in a rut. He's called us to walk with him. Oh, the adventure, the adventures that God has for you in him. There's adventures in God. Goes way past high school. The whole world out there. Can we let restoration come to us today? Some areas where you feel inadequate. I'm not good enough. Let's start with this. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? You know, he can be Savior, but he needs to be Lord. If you've never asked him to be your Savior, never, ever prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life. And you want to do that today, will you lift your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor Brad. I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? There's one. Anybody else? Never ask Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you're here and there's some things you've been repenting of the whole time you're in here. Whew, I'm not doing that right. Whew, I'm not doing that right. Oh, I got to give that to God. I need to give my kids to God. I need to give my marriage to God. I need to give my job to God. I need to give my business to God. I need to give my money to God. I need to give my thought life to God. That's everybody in here, me included. It's called repentance and change. I want to go higher with God. I want to go deeper with God. I want to go the love of God in a greater measure. And if that's you, let's pray all this together. Say this with me. Say, I see your hand. Anybody else want to lift a hand? That, 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 you're making a commitment to God. I see your hand. God sees your heart. Say this with me. Say, Father, I believe in Jesus he died on the cross for my sins. Not only for my sins, but for me to change and to be the person that he's called me to be. Holy Spirit, you've been sent to be my helper. Help me to live for God, the Father, and to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to follow him all the days of my life. I want to be successful for the kingdom of God. Not for me, but for God. I want to give God the glory for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>